All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to have you all here today as we study God's Word together. Uh, you know what one of the worst things is about being a stinking, lousy human being? <laughs> is how easy it is to take things for granted. That's one of my worst, my worst, my least favorite things about myself uh, is how I can take things for granted so, so, so easily, you know, whether it's family or friends or, you know, just the blessings that I have in my life. But most importantly, uh, the Lord, the Lord. And, and there's one thing that I look forward to uh, more than almost anything else about, about the coming day of the Lord and being glorified and brought into his presence and, and changed uh, and, and when we see him, the Bible says that we'll be like him. One of the things I'm most looking forward to is no snow. And also, uh, is also not ever taking it for granted. How are we going to be able, you know, and, and we say this from a human perspective, we understand we're not going to be like we are now. We're going to be glorified. We're going to be changed. But, but how is it, how can we worship him for eons and eons and ages? And in fact, how can we worship him without time? It never ends. There's never, ever a stop to it. There's a continual worship no matter what we're doing. How can it be? How can it be? We're never, ever, ever going to take it for granted. We're never, ever going to take it for granted. And it's one of the things that I understand about my human condition is that I have never seen God truly as he is. I've never uh, experienced the love and the power of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus Christ in that relationship as he is truly. But then we will. Then we will. Uh, as the old timers used to say, when we put off this mortal coil, right? Uh, that drags us down. You know what I'm saying? The biomechanical suit, the bags of skin. <laughs> you know, next time you're on Instagram, young people, and TikTok, and everything else, doing your duck face, you're, we're just bags of skin, man. That's why you got to bathe it. You know what I mean? You got to color your hair. You got to wash it. You got to stop eating so many Twinkies. You got all these things to keep the bag of skin looking halfway decent for the other bags of skin who are looking at your bag of skin and judging their own bag of skin by the condition of your bag of skin, right? And the Lord on high laughs, you know what I mean? Can you imagine the angels and from the heavenly places when they look down and they, that's what it is, huh? You know, that's, that's what we're going for, huh? So we're going down there to get after. That's it. That's them. And God loves you today so passionately. I'm, but, but, but Lord, I'm a bag. Of, yes, I understand you're a bag of skin, right? That's basically what the Bible says. He knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. Remember, he was there, right? He was there when we were created. He knows the stuff that we're made out of. And he's never surprised and he's never stumbled and he never falters when he sees bags of skin acting like bags of skin. He is never shocked. He's never perplexed. His goodness and his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness, it endures from generation to generation. And I only just want to be counted amongst the generations of those that love him and that those that seek to serve him, however imperfect, however short I come and how far I fall short of being what he's called me to be and what the word of God has laid out for me to be, and yet I know that's my goal, and that's what I want most. 
And I know because of that and because of that simple faith that he's given us to have through Jesus Christ, we are accepted into the family. That's why when I get up here, I say, what's up, family? You really are my family. And you're much more my family. It's much realer, more real than the bag of skin family stuff right? Because the brother and sisterhood that we have together as saints, but a like faith that we share in Jesus Christ is forever and forever. So get used to your new family. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is with family. There's some people that you're like, yeah, that's my cousin. That's my cousin. I'm related to that person. And there's some people who are like, what, who? No, I don't know who that person is, you know? But this is the family that God has given us, and here's why we gather together, and here's why we study God's Word together. For a couple of reasons. The first reason, the foremost reason, the most important thing, what does God want you to do with the life He's given you? That is the most important thing that you need to know and understand. Once you find out who he is, once you repent of your sins and you give your heart and your life to him through Jesus Christ, the most important thing next that you need to know is, God, what do you want me to do now with this life that you've given me? And so we gather here together and we study this word together because we know that what it says of itself is that it is like a double-edged sword and it's supernatural and that it's able to judge the intentions and divide our heart appropriately that we can't even do ourselves. That's why the writer uh, David, King David says, search me, O God, and know me and see if there's a wicked way within me. And I don't even know. I don't even know the, fully the depths of what's going on in there, Lord, but you know. So when I'm studying your word and I'm going through what your, what your word has to say to me, Lord, you, you judge. And Lord, you send that sword and you divide my heart up and you show me what's what and where I ought to be and what I ought to be doing. And don't ever let me run through this life presuming that it's my own. But help me to realize, Lord God, that you bought me with a price and you saved me with a, for a purpose and you've called me to an active ministry. Now, what's your active ministry? What is it that God has given you to do in this planet that we live in that is lost and that is dark and that is dying? What is it? I don't know what it is. Well, search it. Search it. Lord, show me what it is that you're calling me to do. Show me what it is that you want me to do. And so we break this word open together. And here's what we believe. The Holy Spirit, who is here with us because we're gathered in Jesus' name, he will make it clear and evident to you. I can't open this book and tell you exactly what it means for your life. Now, the scripture says what it says, and we don't play games with the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. But God can do something through the studying of our word that no mortal man could ever, ever do with the greatest degree and amount of learning and understanding of the volumes of the histories and the writings of men from ages past could ever do. The Holy Spirit can, in the most intimate way, speak into your heart, speak into your life exactly where you need him to and tell you exactly what you need to hear, sometimes not what you want to hear, but exactly what you need to hear. And the second part of our gathering together is this. We encourage one another in that. I don't get to judge in you because your bag of skin didn't act quite as righteous and holy as my bag of skin did this week. First of all, it probably did, okay? But no, no, I come here and we come here together to encourage one another in that belief and in that understanding. There is something supernatural that takes place in these meetings. 
When God seeks to be among his people and to speak to us through his holy word, and as we sing songs of worship and praise to him, something marvelous happens. Something wonderful happens. And God wants each and every one of us to be a part of that, and he wants each and every one of us to tell as many other people as we possibly can that he wants them to be a part of it as well. There's nothing that separates us as human beings. There's nothing that separates us human, as human beings other than ourselves. All men, all men, and that means, when I say men, I mean mankind. That means men, that means women. We are all created in the image of God. We are of one blood, you and I. And for those of us who have been called according to the purposes of God through Jesus Christ, we are of one spirit as well. I was talking to someone in between services about, uh, you know, sometimes I'll be working, I'll be on a job, I'll, be, I'll go to a, a, and it's a customer that I haven't met before, and I meet the contact, and we start talking, and instantly, there's something going on here. There's something going on here. There's a connection that's taking place, and I know right off the bat, he's a believer, this is a believer. This is someone who knows the Lord. And so I'll say something like, so, so you go to church? Are you a church guy? You know, or something like that. Yeah, I am a church. And we'll start having fellowship. And other people are walking by like they're like, you know, they give us a wide berth. You know, this is, these people are weird. You know what I mean? No, but you don't understand. See, you don't understand. I'm not trying to make you feel bad and I'm not trying to put you on the spot and I'm not trying to, to, to shine a light on you. All I'm saying is, is that I have a relationship with this person that nobody could ever describe or express because it doesn't come from us. It comes from our father. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we share that relationship. What a beautiful thing, right? What a beautiful faith that we have. So we get into the word, but let's pray over it first, right? To cover my bag of skin <laughs> as I seek to give the word to your bag of skin to take it out to the other bags of skin. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we ask that you would, you would uh, enlighten, that you would light up this, this portion of Scripture, Father, um, Lord I pray the Lord God that you would speak to each person here individually today, Lord. Tell them exactly what it is that you want to say to them today, Father, and help them to hold nothing back from you, Lord. I pray that you'd cause their hearts to be open to you, Lord, that they would allow um, the floodgates of your love, Lord, to pour into them, Lord, and to show them exactly what it is that you've called them to do, Lord. Uh, reveal yourself to us, we ask and we pray today, Lord, and help us to be humble uh, and meek before you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3, dad got down to, to verse 15. What'd you do? Uh, what'd I say? Oh, man, the apple does not fall far from the tree. It's only going to get better. I, 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 Deuteronomy chapter 23, <laughs> chapter 23 uh, whew, and dad got, you people should already know this, right? You know, guys, like it's, it's not my fault, it's your fault, you know. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23, dad got down to verse 15, so that's what we're going to pick up. Uh, verse 15 and 16, you shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst in the place which he chooses within one of your gates where it seems best to him. You shall not oppress him. Now this goes back to Exodus chapter 22 and verse 21, one of the early uh, recitings of the law to the people where God said, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. 
Now, one of the things that we talk about when we're going through the law uh, of God and we're going through these books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and so forth is that God always, he understands and he knows this, he's dealing with an imperfect world and he's dealing with an imperfect people. Okay, God, 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 and, and this is this is my opinion. You can have whatever opinion you want. Um, God's purpose for my life is, is to not to go out and change legislation. Now, there's people who are Christians who are a part of that process, and that is their calling. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And we should vote and we should pray for our leaders and all these other things. Uh, but I'm just going to make the point that I'm trying to make here. God has not called us to go out and change legislation. God has called us to change ourselves. God has called us to change ourselves and to the best of our ability to shine that light to people around us so that they would see that and that they would find something in what God has given us that would encourage them to want to have the same thing. And that's catchy and that changes it. Dad always talks about Billy Sunday, the famous uh, evangelist from back around the turn of the century. And he would go from town to town and there was, no, there was no prohibition laws that were passed. There was none of this stuff. The bars would shut down because there was nobody there. Because these entire towns would get saved and would come to Jesus Christ. And rather than going to the bars, they would meet and they would study the word of God and they would sing praises and worship together. Uh, and, and that's the way that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread. And that's the way the spirit of God works. Uh, it's not through the legislation. It's through changed lives. It's through changed lives. God doesn't need the government. Can you imagine for heaven's sakes, I don't need them. I don't want them. <laughs> but God doesn't need the government to accomplish his will. And he doesn't need me trying to change my government to accomplish his will. He needs me to change. And he needs my heart to be right before him. That's what he's looking for. But God understood always and still understands he's dealing with an imperfect world and he's dealing with an imperfect people. Remember, the classic example is when they come to Jesus about the issue of divorce. Is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Uh, and Jesus said, unless there's marital unfaithfulness, no, he shouldn't. Then why did Moses say to write her a certificate of divorcement? And Jesus looked at him and said, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because of the hardness of your hearts, and you knew you were going to divorce your wives for some stupid reason. And so he gave her recourse so she wouldn't be left destitute because of you, you jerk. That's my translation. That's the Frank Thomas living translation version, right? Okay? That's, I believe that's what he meant, right? God knows, right? God interacts, God intervenes, God interjects and puts himself in the midst of the fallen world and begins to shine that light. And whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church, okay? And so that light begins to shine and some of us look and we wake up and we see it and say, wow, I want to live my life according to that light. I want to walk within that light too. And then hopefully because of the light that then we shine, other people begin to look and say, hey, I want to walk according to that light too. But God knows the imperfection of the world that he's acting in and the imperfection of the people that he's using to act in that world, okay? And so, so many of these laws, you're like, what? Why? I don't understand. Because God understands it's a fallen world. It's a fallen world. But God is a loving God. And God wants us to do two things, right? We always go back to this. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And the second which is like it is, say it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
love your neighbor as yourself. And so the laws, when we read through them together, so much of it always goes back to that. And so you have a situation, you shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. For whatever reason he escaped, he's come to the land of Israel, and when he comes here, I don't want you treating him like a slave. I don't want you to think or presume that you have a right to do with this person as you see fit. I'm bringing him here for a reason, a reason that you may not know, and I want you to act accordingly. I don't want you to oppress him. I want you to receive him. And here's what it says. He may dwell with you in your midst, in the place which he chooses within one of your gates. You know what that's called? Freedom. Here's what I want you to do when the oppressed come to you and when those who are bound up in the slavery of this thing or of that thing, when they come to you and they come into your midst, I want you to offer them freedom. I don't want you to oppress them. I want you to offer them freedom. I love that. Verse 17. Uh, oh, oh uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's another thing I want to talk about <laughs> about the first part. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, Okay, now this is when King David, he's not the king yet, okay, and he's running and hiding from Saul and all of these, the, the cast-offs, if you will, uh, from the land come and, and band together to be with David and they become his army and they become his mighty men that God uses in a, in a miraculous way. And, and, and while they're, they're out and they're raiding villages and they're doing all of these things, fighting against the enemies of God, this Amalekite army comes in, swoops in and raids the camp of David and his men and take all of their family members captive and take all of their possessions and, and, and make off with them. So they, they come back to their camp and it's been raided and their family's all gone and the men begin to lose heart. They talk about even stoning David. And I love this verse. It's so wonderful. It says, but David found comfort in the Lord. And that's why David was a man after God's own heart. This is a whole side note here, okay? Because when everything was falling, falling apart and falling down around his shoulders, David sought comfort and shelter and refuge in the Lord. Not in other people, not in things, not in philosophies, in the person of the Lord his God. And that's why he was a man after God's own heart. And so he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue these Amalekites? Shall I, shall I go after them? And God said, absolutely, you will overtake them and you'll recover everything back to yourself. And in the midst of this, they bring this Egyptian slave, okay, that the Amalekites had taken captive uh, as one of their slaves. They bring him to David. Now, this, this slave that they had taken, he fell ill, and rather than bring him along with them, they just left him in the field to die. And so here's this Egyptian slave, and he's left in the field to die, and they bring him to David. Now, now it, the culture of that day and the times of the brutality of the times that they were living, you get as much information out of you can, and then you put him to the sword. But what happens, the transaction that happens between David and this man is a completely different thing. David asks of him, and the guy said, just do me this one thing. Just do me this one thing. Don't kill me, and don't give me back to the Amalekites but let me stay with you. And so David says, absolutely. And they feed the man and they take care of the man. And there's a spirit there that is an awesome lesson for each and every one of us. Because there are people all around you that are in bondage or in slavery to one thing or another. And there are people all around you who are hurting, who are lost, who are dying. And they may never ask you but they're looking for someone to help. 
They're looking for someone to accept them. They're looking for someone to say, you are welcome in the midst of my fellowship and you are free as long as you're with Jesus Christ. That's what people are looking for and that's what people need and that's the heart of God. Um, I love that the, the Lord loves to uh, constantly be reminding the children of Israel. Dad covered this uh, concerning the Egyptian. He said, because you were aliens in their land. Before the whole slavery thing, you were aliens in their land. And you, you, you were literally saved because of the Egyptians. Uh, and so I don't want you to mistreat the Egyptians. They're allowed to come into the, the, the sacred assemblies and everything else. But God is always reminding them of Egypt. For so you were slaves. For so you were in bondage. Or for so you were aliens. And it's always this thing of empathy. God is always creating this thought of empathy in the hearts of his, of his children. It creates gratefulness towards God and empathy for others in similar circumstances. Now, in verse 17 and 18, there shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. And you shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering, for both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. I was just like, what? How did we get to selling dogs? I don't understand. You know, I got a kennel. I can't bring the. That's not what God's talking about. I want to read to you this same portion uh, from the Amplified Bible. Deuteronomy 23, 17, and 18 from the Amplified Bible goes like this. There shall be no cult prostitute among the daughters of Israel. Nor shall, the, shall, shall there be a cult prostitute among the sons of Israel. And you shall not bring the wages of a prostitute or a price of a dog that is a male prostitute into the house of the Lord your God as payment for any vow. For both of these, the gift and the giver, are utterly repulsive to the Lord your God." Uh, in 1 Kings 15, 11 to 12, in the Amplified Bible, it says this, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father, forefather David. He expelled the male cult prostitutes, or sodomites, from the land and removed all the idols that his fathers, Solomon, Rehoboam, and Abijam, had made. So this is what God is talking about, because in that culture that they were coming into, the culture of people that was being dispossessed from before them, and in cultures all over the world, there was this ritualistic temple prostitute thing that went down. Now, later on, sadly, when we get into the nation of Israel, when, when the, the time of the kings comes into play, and as they go on in their, in their, in, down through the nation, and they become more and more given over to the practices of the, of, the, of the Canaanites, and they become given to Baal worship and the worship of Ashtoreth, all of these things creep into the nation of Israel to the point where they have temple prostitutes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine... A, 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 a Berean Calvary Chapel prostitutes? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But this is exactly where it got to. It always makes me think of a little leaven, a little leaven, a little leaven. You don't think that someday somebody stood up in temple and said, I, I got a great idea, okay? Attendance has been a little low. <laughs> All right, so I've got a few ideas. <laughs> okay, I think that'll work out for everyone involved. Yeah. That's not how it happened, did it? Little by little, by little, 
by little. And you know what? You know how it starts. You know. You know what? You know what causes the entire thing? Not taking a stand for the word of God. The moment we begin to, how many times in your own life? What's that thing God has said you're not to do that? You're not to go there. I don't want you to, to be a part of that thing. And then you start to go, well, I think just a little. Oh, I think the Lord should understand. Oh, well, this is an exception. And then where does that take you? Where does that take you? I, you just compromise a little bit and then that's it, isn't it? You end up over the cliff, man. That's human nature. God understands us as we talked about before. He knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. And so he gives us these commandments and these provisions so that we will make no occasion for the flesh. Now look, here's the problem. I'm a wicked sinner and I am so fleshy, right? So bag of skinny all the time. I wish it was skinny, skinny, but it's just a big bag of skin. I'm so fleshy all the time. And I am constantly, you know, remember Seinfeld, you ever, you ever yearn? So he, he says to, remember Kramer says to George, George, you ever yearn? You ever yearn? Do I yearn? Do I, no, cravings, constant cravings, you know what I mean? And so constantly our flesh is craving after this thing or craving after that thing. And so often it wants to take us way off of the beaten path and way off into the buckwheat, as we say. But it starts with just the smallest compromise. It starts with the smallest compromise to the point then that the nation of Israel had booths set up outside of the temple of God for prostitution. Boys over here, girls over there. And then they would take that money and bring it into the temple. We're going to use this for the kingdom of God. God said, no, you're going to Babylon. I'm going to break it all down. Who are we? Who are we? When Paul is talking about the fact that we are ingrafted into the family of God, that olive, that original olive tree that is the nation of Israel, and we're these wild olive branches that were grafted into that family, he says, don't you get puffed up. Don't you get lifted up and think to yourself, yeah, make room, Jew. Here comes the Gentile church. Be careful, be careful, because if God did not spare the natural branches... He will not spare you either, Paul says. We ought never to think in the church that we can allow immorality and things that go contrary to God's word to go unchecked without God's action. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and rightfully so. Rightfully so, because he's looking for a pure and spotless bride, isn't he? A pure and spotless bride. Why tribulation? Why persecution? Why down through the ages of all of church history is the kingdom watered with the blood of the saints? Because it's in those times of persecution and tribulation that the true, spotless, pure bride of Christ becomes apparent in the heart of true believers. Listen, I don't want to be persecuted any more than you do. I don't want to go through trials and tribulation any more than you guys do. But if it's to, if it's to produce purity in me, in God's eyes, not in my eyes and not in your eyes, in God's eyes, 
I say, so be it. So be it. And listen, I hope we get raptured right out of the middle of watching Ed, a motocross race with 50 hot wings, with the sauce all over my jeans. Nikki's like, the couch, you know. And I'm like, you know. I hope that's when the rapture happens. I do. What are you, are you saying you think, I don't, listen, I'm a, I'm a sprinkler fitter, okay? You don't go around taking your advice from me on what's going to happen in the world, all right? All I'm saying is this, all I'm saying is this, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, what do you think is happening around us, Christians? You don't have the right to say what the Bible says. You don't have the right to believe what the Bible says. It's hate speech. You hate, 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 and you can scream it from the mountaintops all you want. No, but we love you, but we love you. This is just God's word. It doesn't mean we don't love you. It doesn't mean that we're judging you. It doesn't mean that we think we're better than you. They don't want to hear it. It all goes back to the group of people standing before Pontius Pilate, and he said, what about Jesus, your king? He's not our king. We have no king but Caesar, and we will not have this man to rule over us. And you do have that man to rule over you, and you're a threat because of it. Make no mistake. And the time is coming when there's going to be a separating of the sheep and the goats. And there's going to be those who call themselves the bride, who go along with every whim and everything that our culture is pushing down our throats. And there's going to be those of us who say, I understand, I don't hate but I will not divide myself from the word of God. It says what it says. And people have gone to the stake in our times past. And they've gone to the lion's den. And they've gone to the gladiator pits of Rome because they would not compromise what the word of God says. I cannot deny my Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about the ink. I'm not talking about the leather. The message that is contained in here is supernatural and it is one with the Spirit of God. How then can I deny it? And how then can I turn my back on it? And how then can I make compromises? God says, you are not to make compromises. I want zero. I don't want any of the filth coming into the church. I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it in you. And I don't want any of it in the church. <clears throat> Let's see, verse 19. Shifting gears. <laughs> you shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food or anything uh, that is lent out at interest. To a foreigner, you may charge interest. But to your brother you shall not charge interest, that the Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand uh, in the land which you are entering to possess. Simple. Don't take advantage of the people God wants you to take care of. I'm going to say that again. Don't take advantage of the people God wants you to take care of. When we have our motocross camp, one of the things I, because these are, these are a lot of these kids, these families are completely unchurched. They don't know the first thing about church. They don't, doctrine, I mean, what, what? They, not a clue. We're there to say, very simple, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus loves you. We love you. And one of the things we say to them all the time is, we don't want anything from you. 
We don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. And that ought to be our heart towards all the people that God's put in our lives. All of them, saved and unsaved. I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. I want everything for you. The Christian gives. The Christian gives. There's a difference between receiving and taking. And the Christian doesn't take. God gives you a gift through a brother or sister, hallelujah. But the Christian receives, and the Christian, hopefully more, gives. We give, we give, we give, we give. Why, why, why? It ain't mine. Those kids back there, they're not mine. My wife's not mine. The $20 in my checking account isn't mine. Even my old dirt bike, it ain't mine. It belongs to God. It's a tool. It's an an instrument to be used in his service. And so it goes where he wants it to go. And it does what he wants it to do. And if he requires it of me, then I give it. It's not about me. And it's not about the things God has blessed me with. It's about serving him. We don't take advantage of the people God wants us to take care of. Verses 21 to 23. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be a sin to you. That which has gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Now listen. The vow is a different thing altogether than swearing, okay? Remember, because Jesus said, I don't want you to swear by the gold of the temple. I don't want you to swear by God in heaven above or by the earth below because the heavens is where he lives and the earth is his footstool. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one, God, Jesus said. But he was not talking about vows. It's a completely separate thing. How do I know that? The only proof I need, because the apostle Paul took vows. Okay? And if it was, and if the apostle Paul did it, then it was probably the right thing to do. All right? The apostle Paul took vows. God's not talking about vows when he, when Jesus says that, don't swear, don't swear. He's talking about literally, I swear, I swear an oath, I swear an oath. I don't need to do that. Yes, no. You believe me because I'm a man of character and I say what I say and I mean what I mean or you don't believe me because I'm not a man of character and I don't say what I mean and I don't believe what I say I believe. But when it comes to making a vow before the Lord, this is a very solemn and serious thing and God takes it seriously. And God takes it seriously. And so even I believe even to the day that we live in today under the, under the age of grace and there's, we're not judged according to the law, thank God. But when you tell the Lord, 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 I'm going to do this thing for you. Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to accomplish this for you, Lord. Lord, I'm making a vow to you. I'm making a promise to you. Keep it. Keep it or don't make it. Now, here's the thing. Uh, If this is not your gift, it's no sin. But don't make a vow and not keep it. Now, those of you who know me a little better Know this about me. I will tell you something and then forget it like in five minutes. 
Right, Ed? Ed always has assignments for me. Can you remember that? Are you going to remember that? I, I, I swear. I mean, I don't swear. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I won't forget. And then a week later, did you, did you, have you, have you, have I done what? 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 Where? Who? What? I don't, what? That's me. You know, hey, Frank, give me, give me a call. Call me back. Absolutely. I'll call you right, I'll call you. My text thing, when I get, when I'm on the phone and I get another phone call, I, I do the automatic text. Call you right back. Call you in a minute. Call you back. I never call back. I'm not, I'm never calling you. You know why? I forget. Completely forget, I am, I, it's, 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 I'm not making excuses, it's not a good thing, okay, it's not a good thing to be discombobulated like that all the time, but I don't make vows to God, I don't make vows to God, it is, I believe it's a gift, I believe that as a gifting that God gives people, I don't make vows to God, I am not a vow guy, I'm not a vow guy, I'm a, hey, Lord, I'm available to you today, so if I bump into a wall, I'll turn left. Okay. You know, that's it. Bump me where you need me to be, God. I'm available to you today. Uh, no vows. And God says, that's no sin. That's no sin. But if you make a promise to the Lord, keep it. Uh, verse 24, when you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. When you, <laughs> what are you laughing at, Mom? My mind, you already know it's coming, don't you? So when you have wing night and I show up, right? Is that what you? And I have <laughs> You only ordered 50? <laughs> what do I look like? This is a hospitality thing. This is, again, this goes back to taking care of one another without taking advantage, right? The Christian, the Christian, the child of God receives, but we don't take. We receive, but we don't take. If you're a person that is taking from other people or using situations to your advantage so you can get things, you're wrong. That's not how we operate as Christians. We give, 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 and when God wants us to, we receive. Same thing in 25. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. This is for the workers in the fields or for hungry travelers. This was not an excuse to steal, okay? You're on your way to Jerusalem for the Passover, and you're going through the land, and the family's hungry. It's not like you're just like, well, let's stop at Wendy's, you know what I mean? Let's stop at Subway. Let's stop at, let's stop at Uncle Five Guys, and let's stop at... There was none of that, you know what I mean? I can't even imagine having to live in a world where there was no Five Guys, where there was no Burger King, Here's some wheat. Here's some wheat. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? Wheat? There's some mayonnaise to dip it in. Anything. Anything, Hezekiah. You know. Not it. So you're traveling to temple for, for Passover, and you're going through the field, and you're hungry, and the kids are like, Daddy, I'm hungry. Give me some. Just take some of the grain. Just take some of the grain, pluck it off, and eat, eat the grain. You can chew the grain. Or you're going through a vineyard, pluck some of the grapes and eat some of the grapes. That's okay. That's okay. There was never to be, <laughs> in the mind of a traveler, traveling through the land of Israel, a fear that the landowner would come out throwing spears and arrows at you because you were either on his land or enjoying the fruit of his land. Why? Why do you think that is? Because God wanted to know it's not yours. It's mine. And the things that I've blessed you with are to be used as a blessing for other people. There's a beautiful transaction that takes place when a Christian who is a person of means 
has over another Christian to their house or to their place or to their camp or to whatever who is not a person of means, and they share that with this person of lesser means, and the person of lesser means is not coveting what the person who has more has, but they enjoy it together, understanding and knowing this is from the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful transaction that takes place. And when it comes to giving, God doesn't want you to miss out. What is the greatest part? I mean, maybe not so much when you're a kid, but the older you get, what's your favorite part of Christmas? You know, oh, another present for Frank Lee. Where's mine? You know what I mean? Oh, well, I see you got 20 gifts for this one, and I got what I got when my stocking, what I get, what is this, Dexatrim? I mean, that's terrible. All you care about at Christmas is watching people open the presents you got them. For, I mean, for me, there is no greater joy, there's no greater joy than watching people enjoy something that you got because you love them. And that goes across, that is a truth that goes right across the board. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. If when you're about to drop a, a $5 or $50 or $10,000, hopefully, into the offering plate, if you have any thought whatsoever, wonder what they're going to do with this money, you know, more wings for the fat junior pastor, I suppose, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, they say, don't you dare put money in that plate. Don't you dare put money in that plate. The only time you put money in that plate is when there is a transaction that is happening between you and your God, and you're doing it in joy because of the abundance he's placed in your life, and you get, you get to give something back because he said, this is what I'd like from you. This is what I'd like you to do to show how much you appreciate what I've blessed you with. <laughs> I get to show you, Lord. I get to give a present to you. That's what it is. And it's the same exact thing when we give to others. It ought to be joyful. And that's the heart that God wants us to have. He wants us to be generous and sharing in what he has blessed us with. That's good. Let's be done. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy. We're so thankful for your word. Uh, we're so thankful, Father, for what you do, for all the things that you do, Lord. We confess to you, Father, we have problems, Lord. We have difficulties in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in some of our late relationships, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, we always have trouble in this world, just like Jesus promised us we would have trouble in this world, Father. But he overcame this world so that we could do a spiritual disappearing act, Father, when we run into your arms and we seek your face, Father, and we find comfort and rest and hope in you, Lord, not in anything that this world provides. Lord, help that to become our everyday reality, Lord, that it's not something that we just experience for a few minutes here and there, but Lord, it becomes a part of who we are as people and as followers of Jesus Christ, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the thanksgiving today, Father. We ask only that you would make us useful vessels in your kingdom. Lord, to be used by you, Lord, according to your purposes, to shine the light and to bring hope into a world that is so desperate for it, Lord. Give us the love of Jesus, Lord, and give us the obedience of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 Love you, fam.